How many of you can say, for sure, there is something in my past from which God delivered me? Amen? How many of you can amen this? God is a delivering God. He delivers. Amen? He does deliver. Uh, how many of you can say, I was in something that never would I have gotten myself out of it if God had not delivered me? Amen? Now, a part of what Jesus' ministry was and is and always will be was to deliver you and me, to set us free. He said, you're going to know the truth, and it's going to set you free. And he whom the Son frees is indeed free. Well, free from what? Things from which he delivered you. Amen? He's a delivering God. So I'm just calling this message today the God who delivers. And I want you to know, we don't preach a religious Jesus. Uh, we don't preach religion. We don't just do religious ritual. We're not up here to be religious. Uh, as a matter of fact, I would never step in the pulpit again if God were not a truly delivering God. Because part of the message of the gospel is that God supernaturally delivers us from supernatural bondage. He sets us free. So I want to read to you a testimony from Paul the Apostle. So thankful he was honest with us about the things he went through. And I'm going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And if you want to grab your Bibles or look at your iPhone or where, however you read the Bible uh, these days, look at 2 Corinthians 1 verse 8. And I'm going to start there. I'm going to read three verses. Paul being real honest with us about a great deliverance that he experienced. All right? Here it is. We do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure above strength, so that we despaired even of life. Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves, in other words, we thought we were going to die. That we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. Sometimes God lets you go through things so that you don't trust in yourself any longer. But you look up and you say, only God can get me out of this. Then he gets you out of it. All right? So that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raised the dead. Now, verse 10, I want you to read out loud with me. Because he's going to give us three tenses of deliverance here. Three, uh, three types of deliverance. Past, present, and future. So watch this carefully. Read it with me. Verse 10. Who delivered us from so great a death. I heard five of you or so. Y'all got locked jaw today? Come on. Are you ready? Let's read it. Who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us in whom we trust he will still deliver us. Whole lot of delivering going on in that verse. All right. Whole lot of delivering going on in that verse. So notice this now. Notice this. He says, he has, he is, he shall. He has, say this with me. He has delivered me. He is delivering me and he shall deliver me. Well, he got you covered there. You're covered. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word today. Pray you bless it to our hearts. Build our faith. Encourage us in Jesus. And Lord, we thank you for it. 
Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, he delivers. I know that's right. He delivers. Now, we don't know exactly what it was that Paul went through. Um, there's no telling. It was probably some kind of persecution. Here's what commentators uh, surmise. Uh, different commentators think that it was persecution he was going through. Some think it was some disease they got, and it almost took them out. But there's no way of knowing because Paul doesn't say. We only know this. It was bad. It was really rough. It was re- so bad that Paul said, we felt like we were under a death sentence. Now, I don't know if you've ever been through something that tough where here's what you were thinking. Am I, am I going to come out of this alive? Am I going to survive this intact? Or is this going to take me out? Am I down for the count? Am I ever going to come back? Have you ever gone through anything like that? Am I down for the count? Am I ever going to come back? That's what they were wondering. They, it was like a sentence of death. So that when God delivered them, Paul considered it equivalent to being raised from the dead. He said, wow, it was just like we were raised from the dead. It was so bad that when God delivered us, it was like he raised us from the dead. Wow. Yeah. Now, again, he covers the whole gamut of life in the three deliverances he talks about. Past tense, present tense, future tense. He has delivered me back there. He is delivering me in my now. And I know he shall deliver me in my future. He's a delivering God. He's a delivering God. Now, words matter, and I tell you that all the time. But, you know, the Bible was uh, not written in King James English. You you do know that, right? Jesus did not say, if thou wouldest, thou couldest. And that's not the way he talked. He talked in Greek um, or Aramaic. Now, so... So the words that we translated into deliver, for instance, what did the original Greek word mean? Well, it really matters because it's very important we understand what this word meant when it was coming out of Paul's mouth. It means to remove somebody from the presence of danger and bring them into something else. I am brought out to be brought in. I'm delivered from to be delivered to. Are you with me? That's the meaning of the word deliver. So he says, he delivered me back there from so great a death. He's delivering me now and he's going to deliver me in the future. What he's talking about is when God delivers, when God delivers, when Jesus Christ delivers us from something, he takes us out to bring us unto himself. All right. Now let me give you an illustration. When a fireman, when the the building's on fire, okay, we've all seen the movies uh, and, and somebody is hanging out of a window crying for help. And they put that long ladder up there and the fireman uh, walks up the ladder, grabs the person, rescues them, brings them down to the ground and, and sets them free, rescues them, delivers them from perishing. Now, we know that when the fireman gets them down to safety, he does not then take them home with him, does he? If he does, we want that man's name. We need to check him out. But no, that's not what a fireman does. When a fireman rescues, once you're rescued, his job is done. 
So his deliverance is that way, his kind of deliverance. But that's not God's kind of deliverance. God's kind of deliverance is when he rescues you out of the burning building of sin and the certain destruction of hell, he not only takes you out, but he brings you unto himself. He takes you out to bring you in. He doesn't take you out and say, okay, now I've delivered you from sin and its consequences. Go have a great life. It's been real. Is that what God does? Oh, no, no, no. What God does, he said, I've delivered you. I saved you so that you can be with me, fellowship with me, come to know me, and so that you and me can be together forever. I brought you out to bring you unto myself. That's what it means. That's what it means. All right. So, so this is really, really important that we understand this and grasp this because I love God's way of delivering. It's like when I rescue a dog, I rescue every dog I have has been rescued. And when I rescue one, I I rescue them from the pound that will certainly put them down if they're not adopted. So I like saving dogs like I'm a dog lover. You know, I am, but here's the deal. When I go in there and I put the money down to let that dog go free to, to, to purchase that dog, to get it out of the cage and out of certain destruction. I don't then take the dog outside and set him on the ground and say, run for it. Have a great life. I'm so glad to have been able to set you free. No, I say, I brought you out that I could bring you unto myself and I'm going to take you to my home and you and me are going to be together till you go to dog heaven. All right. And that's the way Jesus does you and me. Listen to this. Colossians 1.13. For he has rescued us. Everybody say he rescued me. All right. He did. He has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness. Oh, what a terrible kingdom that is. And transferred us into. Now notice, he took us from that he might bring us into. He took us from the kingdom of darkness, transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Jesus slapped down the only currency that would be effective and effectual at the bar of God to set us free, the currency of his blood. He shed his blood, and when he set us free, he did it to get us out of one kingdom and to bring us into another, to get us out from one master and to bring us under a good master. He brought us out that he might bring us in. He took us from that he might bring us unto. How many of you are so glad that once Jesus saved you, he didn't say, well, have a great life. Go on. It's been great saving you. How many of you are glad that no, he poured his love into your heart by the Holy Spirit who is given unto us. And when he poured his love into our hearts, we entered into an eternal relationship with God, the father. He brought us out to bring us into his outstretched arms. Amen. Yeah. So our text today, where Paul is describing, he did it then, he's doing it now, and he'll do it in the future. He is showing us that the life of the child of God is bookended with deliverances, and then deliverance in between the bookends. He saved me and delivered me. He's coming back one day and delivering me. And while I'm on this earth, he delivers me. How many of you can say that since I was saved, he's delivered you from a few things still? Amen? Oh, yeah. So 
It begins with salvation and it ends with him taking us off this planet. And in between, we experience deliverances that I'm going to talk to you about uh, more in just a moment. Uh, all throughout our life, he is a deliverer. He's not just my healer, my provider, my peace giver, my wisdom, my strength, but he's my deliverer. He's my deliverer. Amen. So say with me, he has delivered me. He is delivering me, and he shall deliver me. Oh, that's good stuff. So I want to just take those three tenses, and let me just deal with them uh, one at a time real quickly, uh, because I want us to really get this, because we're a delivered people. We are a delivered people. Amen? God delivers. All right? So the first one is he has. He has delivered me. He has delivered me. The Bible says... Then when Jesus came, he came on a rescue mission. We, we, the human race was in a 911 situation. It was an emergency call to heaven. We're perishing in our sin. We're dying in our sin. We're going to an eternal hell because of sin. Uh, and, and if somebody doesn't come rescue us and save us and deliver us, we can't deliver ourselves. And so... The Bible says, Jesus flat out, straight up told us this. He said this, the Son of Man has come to, to seek and to save that which was lost. Another version puts it this way, the Son of Man came to find lost people and save them. Isn't that simple? The Son of Man came to find lost people. We go out in the morning after we got saved and we say, wow, yesterday I found the Lord. No, you didn't. The Lord found you. He was homed in on you for a long time. You just didn't even know it. He was tracking you in a good way. He was stalking you. He was dealing with you. He was setting up the moment you would get saved. And when you got saved, you didn't find him. He found you. You just thought you found him, but he found you. Jesus said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. Amen. But now listen to the words of Jesus carefully. The son of man came to find lost. Everybody say lost. Lost people. Now the Bible says the whole human race is lost. The whole human race is lost. Now, lost like I would lose a pair of keys, a set of keys. Lost like I would use, lose my wallet. No, that's not what the word lost means in the language in which it was spoken. Matter of fact, lost is a really tough word in the language in which it was spoken, in the language Jesus spoke it in. You know what lost means when it came out of his mouth? It means to violently, completely perish. To be permanently destroyed. To die with the implication of ruin and destruction. To utterly perish by experiencing a miserable end. Not like a lost set of keys. It means headed for total destruction. And ending up in an eternal miserable end. That's lost. And Jesus said, I came to seek and find you before you end up there. I came to seek you and find you to deliver you from your lostness. Because you're lost. Now, you may not feel lost. That doesn't matter what you feel. You're lost. If you don't know you're lost and you don't know Jesus, 
I'm talking about people that don't know Jesus. If you say, well, I don't know Jesus. I'm not a Christian, but I'm not lost. You're so blind, you don't even know you're lost. The Bible says, you say you are miserable, or you say you are rich and have need of nothing. But I say to you, Jesus says these words, you say I'm rich and have need of nothing, but I say to you, you are miserable, wretched, poor, blind, and naked. Lost. Lost. And somebody had to rescue us from our lostness because we couldn't deliver ourselves from our lostness because lost people can't deliver themselves from their lostness, especially this kind. This is eternal lostness, forevermore lostness. You're lost, lost. I've never been able to get the story I'm going to share with you right now out of my head once I read it, true story. But here it is. There once was a man who worked in a small town as the operator of a drawbridge on a river. A train track ran across the bridge, and the man's job was to keep the bridge up when no train was coming so the boats could go underneath. And then his job when the train was coming was to lower the bridge so the train could safely cross the bridge to the other side. That was his job, simple. One sunny Saturday morning, the man brought his seven-year-old son along with him to work with him. Daddy, Daddy, can I come with you? And the boy would play along the river, skip rocks on the water, chase butterflies, do what little boys do. And shortly before noon, right on time, a passenger train was due to come through. And the man was supposed to lower the bridge so the train could go across safely. The man began to make preparations to let the bridge down. And as he examined the bridge, as he looked at the bridge... He noticed that somebody, a small child, had somehow climbed over the guardrail next to the bridge and was playing at the very spot where the bridge would come down. As he looked closer, he realized with horror the child was his own son. In desperation, he began to cry out his name, but the sound of the approaching train drowned out his voice. He cried louder, screamed. The boy couldn't hear him. He knew he was going to have to make a quick decision. The train was coming up quickly on the bridge. If he lowered the bridge at this point, he knew his son would die. But if he didn't, all the people on the train would die as the train plunged into the river, everybody on it perishing. He had no time to think. As he screamed in agony, the man thrust forward the lever to lower the bridge just as the train arrived. The bridge came down. His son died instantly. As the train passed by, catch this, the people just smiled and waved as they passed by the man in the control booth with his head bowed low, oblivious to what had just taken place. They didn't know that that man had just sacrificed his son so they could live. Now listen, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, not to be killed by a drawbridge, but to be abused by men, tortured by men, 
hung on a cross, beaten beyond recognition. You know all that Jesus went through. I've been saved most of my life, and I still can't read the story of his crucifixion without it hurting me. It still hurts me when I read it. And I wince, and I, and I have to stop and say, thank you, Jesus. Because when Jesus died on the cross, listen to me, God lowered the drawbridge. How much did he love you? He so loved you. He gave his only begotten son. If this man could give his son to save a trainload of people. What about God giving his son to save the entire human race? Everybody and anybody that calls upon his name. Because whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. And when Jesus died on that cross and spilled his blood, you know what he was doing? He was giving the only thing that could deliver you and I from the consequences of sin and the condemnation that would have sent us to hell. He shed his blood so that he could deliver us back there. Everybody say, he has delivered me. Can we just thank the Lord that he loved us enough to give his only son? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yes. So not only... Has he delivered me? But he is delivering me. Now listen to what he says. Who delivered us in the past from so great a death and does now, in our now, today, deliver us. He's a deliverer back then. He's a, a deliverer now. Amen. Now, now, how does the Lord rescue and deliver us now? I'm going to give you two simple ways. There's, there's others, but these are the two key ones. He rescues us, first of all, from Satan's attacks. He delivers us from Satan's attacks. I think sometimes we forget that we've got an enemy, that if you're washed in the blood of the Lamb, if you're a born-again child of God, we've got an enemy that hates us because we're washed in the blood that undid him, that destroyed Satan, destroyed his works. Uh, took away from him death, hell, and the grave. And so he, we're targeted people. Matter of fact, we've got to get in our minds that when we got saved, we were, we were drafted into a battle. The battle between good and evil. His battle became my battle, your battle. It, what, it, what was his battle? The Son of God was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. So we were, we were drafted into that battle. Between God and Satan, good and evil, light and dark, wrong and right. We were, we were drafted. We're in the army now. Amen? We're in the army now. We've been drafted. You say, well, I don't want to be drafted. Well, tough. If you're saved, you're drafted. And you can't go AWOL. If you go AWOL, he'll come find you. No, we're, we're, we're drafted into the army. and We battle not against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling out of strongholds. So we clearly are in a battle, and I've got good news. He rescued me and delivered me back then, and he delivers me now from the attacks of Satan. He delivers me now. Paul the Apostle, who was, in my opinion, probably the greatest Christian warrior to ever live. Uh, I, I think he's the greatest Christian to ever live. I'm a little biased towards Paul because uh, I, I'm just so impressed with Paul. Uh, well, with Jesus in Paul, I'm not lifting up a man. He would never want me to. But I'm telling you, I don't think there's a better 
Christian than Paul, and, and, and they're certainly not a better warrior than Paul, spiritual warrior. And here's what he said. The Lord will rescue me, deliver me from every evil attack. And he's going to bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. At the end of Paul's life, he said, I have fought the good fight. And you know what? In that good fight, the Lord delivered him from every attack of Satan. Folks, listen, Jesus never promised us Satan wouldn't attack, but he did promise us uh, that we would be delivered from his attacks if we leaned on him and called on him, that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And here's what I know in my heart, and I'm talking to somebody at home too, or somebody in the office or in your car or later in radio. Listen carefully. Uh, Some of you, your marriage is under attack. Your finances are under attack. Your kids are under attack. You're under a temptation that that just keeps coming at you. And and, and for some of you, it seems like there's no way out. But I'm going to tell you something. When a door shuts, God opens a window. He is not going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. He's going to deliver you, deliver you in your now from every evil attack. Come on, everybody. Give the Lord a hand of thanks. Yes. But he also delivers us from ourselves. How many of you ever looked in the mirror and said, how could you have done that? How could you have gone there? Did you really do that? How many of you have ever looked at yourself in the mirror and said, you're the reason I'm in most of my trouble? (laughs) Right? I mean, sometimes the devil doesn't have to do a whole lot. We do it all for him. We get into trouble all on our own. Because here's why. We live in a house of flesh that can still be tempted. Is that news to anybody here? We live in a house of flesh that can still be tempted. And it can be tempted by many, many, many different things. But we, just because you're saved doesn't mean you're temptation-free. No. Sometimes it even escalates because the devil's coming after you with temptation. We have weaknesses that can defeat us without God's help, don't we? Yeah, we do. Don't look at me so holy. Some of you got a halo over your head. Not me, Pastor Jeff. Oh, yes, you and me, we can all be tempted. There's, there's no one here that could not fall. Uh, take heed lest you think you stand, that you think you stand lest you fall. Right? We're in a house of flesh, and so we've got to lean on the Lord every single day. And so, but, but here's the good news. The Lord delivers us from ourselves. Lord, deliver me from me. Sometimes that's a, that's a really valid prayer. Deliver me from my weaknesses. Deliver me, deliver me, Lord, from, from where I so easily succumb to temptation. Deliver me from my weaknesses. And that's what he promises to do. Listen to this, Romans 8, 26. And the Holy Spirit helps us when in our weakness. For example, I'm reading the Bible now. For example, Paul says... We don't know what God wants us to pray for. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. Did you know that the Holy Spirit within you prays for you at times you don't even know it? He prays for you. He prays for you. Because the Bible says he searches the deep things of man. He knows your heart. He knows your makeup. He knows your strengths and weaknesses. He knows where the devil had a grip on you in the past and and where the devil attacks you now. And the Holy Spirit prays for you, intercedes for you when you don't even know it. I think one of the real shocks of heaven 
is going to be when we realize how many times God sent an angel that delivered us from evil, you know, that canceled a satanic assignment, that, 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 that was sent to, to, to somehow intervene so that what the enemy meant for evil, God turns it for good. So, so that how the, where the enemy meant to destroy you and take you down and take you out. God sent an angel or had the Holy Spirit pray for you. And, and the satanic assignment was canceled. The satanic assignment was canceled. Oh yeah. I think it's going to be a shock. Cause when we get to heaven, we're going to know even as we have been known. And we're going to realize, hey, you remember that time in your life when you were under so much temptation and then finally it lifted? You didn't know about it, but the Holy Spirit prayed for you. And I sent an angel and I sent help and I did this and I did that. And you didn't even know it. Because God says, I'm going to deliver you from you. And I'm going to deliver you from satanic attacks. It's true. It's true. He said, well, Man, Pastor Jeff, what I'm going through now, where is God? You don't know what it would be if he weren't already moving. Sometimes what we think is really bad ain't nothing if God were not already intervening. Amen. Paul said he was crying out to God in a weakness. And God said to him, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so the power of Christ can work through me. God said to him, I'm not going to deliver you from the problem. I'm going to deliver you in the problem. I'm going to deliver you in the problem. I'm going to come to you by my grace. Listen, folks, we're saved by grace, but we must understand we're also sustained by grace. Yeah, the, the Christian life begins by grace. By, by grace, you are saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of your works, lest any man should boast. No, how are we saved? By grace, through faith. Nothing we did or can do could save us. It's purely by the grace of God. Grace alone, faith alone, by Christ alone. I want you to say with me, by grace alone, by faith alone, by Christ alone. That's how you were saved. Amen. That's how you were saved. But now watch this. Not only are you saved by grace, but you're sustained by grace. See, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. But then the song goes on. Through many dangers, toils and snares, after I've been saved, I have already come. It was grace that brought me safe thus far. And grace will lead me, say it, home. Yeah, it's grace, 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 grace. I love grace. I'm so thankful for grace. Thank God for grace. You know, I don't like to fly. You know I don't like to fly. I like being in control. And when I get on a plane, I'm in no control. But somehow I feel like i got to help the pilot when he's about to take off. And so, man, I'll have, have you ever heard of a white-knuckle flyer? You know, where you're holding on to the, 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 the armrests? And you're thinking, oh, Lord, you know, every time I fly, I do this. I'm being real transparent. I remind God of my calling. And I say, if there's nobody else on this jet walking with you, I am. I am. I am. Keep me afloat. Just Keep us in the air just for me. 
Reminder, God, I'm called. I'm not done yet, God. But how many of you ever realize that when you're in a jet, there's not one thing you can do to help that thing take off? Not one thing. No, it's got its own fuel, its own power, and it's got a power that you don't have. It can take you 30,000 feet in the air. You couldn't take yourself one foot in the air, but it takes you 30,000 feet in the air, not by might, not by power, but by aerodynamics. Okay, so there's nothing you can do. So what do you do when you fly? All you can do is sit back and relax and let the jet do the work. Grace is the same way. That's how we live the Christian life. Not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit of God, by the grace of God. Because if I just sit back and relax, he's going to take me where I could never go. If I just sit back and relax and trust God, he's going to carry me to destinations I could never get to on my own. Yeah, just by, just by letting the grace of God. Everybody say grace. Just by letting the grace of God and the power of the Spirit of God carry me into the heights. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings, with wings, with wings, like an eagle. That means you're going to fly. But how do you do it? By waiting upon the Lord. And the power of God takes you up there. My little mother, she's 96. She She was three days and nights without power during this ice storm in the place where she lives. And she's fine. She's so hardy. That's why she's 96. She was raised on a farm. She's hardy. I called her. I said, Mother, why didn't you call me? Well, I was okay. Well, you should have called me. I would have come and gotten you. Well, it was too slippery. She's worried about me. And I said, what did you do? I had a lantern. It was the best buy I ever made. She said, I just lit that lantern and I read by the lantern and and I was just fine. Jeffrey, she's the only one on earth that calls me Jeffrey. Except Cindy when I'm in trouble. She, no. Now, here's the deal. My mother listens to me on the radio. And she listens to, to every man and answer. That I'm on every Tuesday and Wednesday night. And she called me. And she said, Jeffrey, I can't believe it's you. You know why she says that? Because she remembers when I was a 16-year-old in all kinds of trouble, all messed up. And she says, I hear you answering these questions and, and, and sharing the Bible like you do. And I, and I go, how? How? And I said, Mother, I'm going to quote Paul. Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. Okay? Nobody knows that better than me. Nobody knows it better than me. Uh, There's only one explanation for somebody lost in drugs, sitting in jail, all messed up, headed to prison. I didn't go to prison, but I could have. And then I just call out, no high school, and then I call out on God to save me. And he took me and he delivered me. Back there. Then he's delivered me a whole bunch of times since then. But only God can take that and turn it into this. I am what I am, not because, well, I can do anything. I can do everything. I got it going on. No, I can do all things through Christ and the grace of God. Now, that's how God delivers you. So say with me, from Satan's attacks, 
and from myself. Now, the last way, stand with me. And I'm going to read to you the last way. The last great deliverance is coming. The last great deliverance is coming. Amen? So say with me, he has, he is, and he shall. Now watch this. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died and are in a grave will rise from their graves. Everybody say deliverance. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up. Everybody say deliverance. In the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And then we will be with the Lord forever. Comfort one another with these words. Amen. That's our final great deliverance. That's our final great deliverance. So when I say he, he, he has, he is, he shall. How many of you are ready for that time? He's, he's, he's near. He's at the door. Soon and very soon we're going to see the king. And when he catches us up, that's the final great deliverance. Amen? Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you're a delivering God. You are a delivering God. Now, how many of you with your heads bowed can say, Jeff, I'm battling with something right now. And I have failed so many times. And I'm just wondering where my deliverance is. And I hear this message. And I could pat you on the back and say, that was a great message, Pastor Jeff. But I'm going to walk out of here wondering, where's my deliverance? How many of you can say, today, in, in my now, I need deliverance from something in my life? Come on, raise your hand. From something in my life. It's a habit. It's a broken heart. It's something, something. And it's had a grip on you. Okay, look at me just for a second. Now, here's what I want you to know. First of all, sometimes deliverance is a process. I used to be a smoker. Can you believe that? I know you can't picture it. I can't either. Neither can my mother. But I used to be a smoker. I was a Marlboro kid. I started when I was 13, and I quit when I was 16. So, oh, no big deal. Oh, listen, I was so hooked. I was so hooked on smoking that um, when I couldn't get filtered Marlboros, I rolled buglers. Some of you don't even know what that is. That's good. Bugler is when you get your own paper and you roll your own tobacco. It has no filter, and it's strong enough to kill you on the spot. But that's what I would smoke if I couldn't get to a Marlboro. And I wanted to be free. And I failed. This was after I'd come to Christ. I failed and failed and failed until I finally said, well, it's not for me. But then I learned deliverance is sometimes a process. Glory to God, sometimes you are immediately set free. The minute you're saved, you're set free. But other times there is an extended battle. And when there's an extended battle, you got to be patient with you. You 
have to be patient with yourself. God's forgiven you and people have forgiven you, but you haven't forgiven you. And you got to be patient with you. Because I don't know why Jesus healed some people from blindness immediately. Another man, it took two times. First he saw men like trees walking. Then he saw clearly it took two touches. All I can tell you is sometimes deliverance takes a process. So, so I want you to be patient with yourself. It's drinking, smoking, cussing, chewing, <laughs> porn. Something out there that has a hook on you. Say, boy, I want to be free, but I've repented so many times. Surely God is sick of hearing me repent. Listen, he told us to forgive 490 times in one day. You think he won't? You got to be patient with yourself because somehow grace is working or you wouldn't even want to be free. Grace is working. And bit by bit, you're going to wake up one day and go, I'm free. Just like me. I woke up one day and I went... I don't want to smoke anymore. You could drop me into a cigarette factory during this ice storm and leave me there a week and I would not be tempted to touch one of those things because he set me free. All right? I'm free. I don't want it. Now watch. I'll leave today and get tempted to smoke or something. No. I've learned you got to be careful what you say. I'm bragging on Jesus. But but I don't want it. There, there's nothing about it. I, I can't even stand walking into a room where there's smoke. Ah. I see people get out of their cars and smoke comes pouring out. And I go, oh, but that's because he set me free. So whatever it is, be patient with you. Look in the mirror and say, hey, you, I forgive you. I forgive you. Have you, have you ever done that? I have. Hey, Jeff, I forgive you for doing something so stupid but I forgive you I'm going to venture to say you haven't fully received the forgiveness of God if you can't forgive you I think we need to do that right now then I'm going to close say Jeff you don't know what I've done no but Jesus does I want you to say with me Lord Jesus I've sinned in my past. I've done some things hard for me to receive forgiveness for. But I receive your forgiveness for going where I went, doing what I did, saying what I said, and I forgive myself. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.